Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey everybody, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of the Jersey Ghouls. That's right, tonight we are celebrating just the two of us. We can make it if we try. <laughs> we are two of us. You and <laughs> I wish I could really do that. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, we are flying solo, the two of us again. Um, we are excited to be talking about, I think, kind of, sort of, zombie apocalypse films tonight. Yeah, I think with these films, uh, we can air quote zombies, because it's definitely, it's a twist on the zombie. It is not a traditional... Both of these films. Yeah, both of the films. Not a traditional undead return from the grave kind of thing. These oh, are both very new, much fresh infected. Yeah. Right. More of apocalyptic than zombie. Very much so. So, uh, yeah, tonight is 28 Days Later mm-hmm. and The Girl with All the Gifts. Yes, two movies that I'm just going to say outright I absolutely flip and love. And I was delighted to do an episode in which I was delighted by the films. <laughs> so it's actually very exciting. So let's just jump right in with 2002's 28 Days Later. Yeah, this one, uh, directed by Danny Boyle. Yeah, buddy. Um, and it very much, he's one of those directors where it it's a Danny Boyle film, and you know it's a Danny oh, Boyle film. It looks like yeah. a Danny Boyle. Like, you know, you can always tell he's what a Tim Burton film Absolutely. looks like kind of thing. You always know, you always know what a Danny Boyle film looks like. And it is just, I'm going to say it, okay, I know that you are delighted by this movie. I like this movie. Okay. I kind of wish I liked it more. And I even have that note of I'm so on the fence because this movie is so well made and I love all of the choices of camera angles and even stuff within plot I like. I like the characters. I love the actors. Okay. But I just have a laundry list of questions about these quote unquote infected zombies or whatever. All right. It's that, the like, rage virus. It is, first yeah. Of all. So I, I just have like I just have so many questions that like it really does kind of put me in the this movie's okay. It's definitely one I'll watch multiple times. Like I'll watch this like it's not like oh I watched it once I'll never watch it again. Right. I didn't dislike this movie. I've seen it plenty of times before, but it's just like it's never one of my go-to movies. That's that's fair. Um, what I will say is, I think, well, first of all, I mean, obviously the plot is pretty straightforward. You have, it opens in a, in a, like, animal facility where they're testing animals and some douchey animal rights activist tries to free the animals and unknowingly releases a, what was it, like a little monkey? Yeah, I think oh, they were a the, monkey. The gorilla. Bad, Bad gorilla. gorilla. <laughs> um, we really need to just do Congo on this podcast one day. Congo. Fucking love that movie. Um, are we? We're watching that again. Again, yeah. again that's fine. Bad gorilla. Um, so, so she, they release a bad gorilla who has the. I don't know. I think it's a bad bad chimpanzee. Bad chimpanzee who does not have a talk box like the, the gorilla in uh, Congo, but it does have the rage virus, which is some crazy cooked up virus that they've been testing on animals. So then. Um, it flashes to a character, Jim, who wakes up and after 28 days, the entire 
entirety of London has been demolished by the rage virus, and now it's just people trying to survive. He teams up with uh, Selena mm-hmm. and Mark. Mark gets eaten, killed, whatever you call it. Uh, he and Selena meet Frank and Hannah, a, a husband and his uh, a father, a father and daughter, yeah. Um, and then they get. Uh, trapped by really creepy military guys who want to like yeah them. they they end up getting uh they pick up a signal that's mm-hmm. like hey survivors come to these coordinates like we I think the drawing is we have the answer to the virus I think that's what yep. what really draws them to it is and so they're like you know what maybe they're all dead already maybe this is nothing we'll never know until we go so they set off to I think it's in Manchester they set off to Manchester to to go to these coordinates to see if there's anybody that really is there if the if you know the military really is there is there an answer and the military does turn out to be there but they don't have an answer that we like oh my god no (laughs) and i gotta tell you if there's one thing this and the walking dead and all these apocalypse movies have taught me is that in the apocalypse anybody who's dressed in military camo i'm running they are the bad guys every time. And anybody who says, come to our place, we have the answer, they're either going to eat you or rape you. Yeah. yeah. Like every single puck. <laughs> I'm going to write out a zombie movie where when they say, come and we'll save you, they're telling the truth. Yeah. And they're super nice. Like, yeah. and it's going to be like the end. <laughs> because every movie, inevitably. But in this one, it's so creepy, skeevy, scary because they their plan, these military creepos, is to basically impregnate and rape women. And create another, like, human race through yeah. literally rape. That's it's what he said. He's like, I promised them women. Yeah, it's like, and it's so cringy. Women. I mean, I have to say, on one hand, I mean, you can see where he was coming from in no, the sense of... Well, I mean, think about it. Like, so you have a group of ten men. You're going to live out your days. You're going to live out your days. Yeah, and humanity's And you... Well, no, but, like, humanity's gone. Like, there's nothing. There's no future. There is no nothing so i can see the bigger picture of we need to find women we need to procreate we need to continue the human race yeah only let's do it with some fucking consent well yeah exactly like please not with 13 year olds for fuck's sake jesus christ so like i said i can see the big picture of we need to save humanity we need to procreate we need to bring man back again but yes, I also I, I agree. I feel like that's putting the cart way before the horse here. That in one breath, they're like, well, this could be just in London. And in the next breath, they're like, let's rape these women to procreate. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh, I hate them. I, I kind of hate that term. And and while I, I like it in some ways, I do think it's a little it's a little harsh. Um, but I No, do, it's a, it's a bit much. Yeah, the, the whole entire concept of, it's, it's the, what he said. I promised them women. Oh, oh so that, yeah, that the was one thing, um The one thing I love about Boyle as a director, and he's done this in quite a few of his films, is that he's able to handle, I think, scenes that could go so wrong and be so cringy with class and, and, and avoid an overly male gaze on it, where the scene where they're in that room, you're so busy like, oh God, please don't let anything happen. And I love that it doesn't. I love that the fear of it all and the horror of it all is all in our own heads. And yes. I think... You know, one thing I love about Boyle is that he trusts his audience to be able to get there. Um, he, that's not to say he won't show shocking things as train spotting, I think, more than demonstrated. <laughs> that's maybe, a one and done for me. One and done for me. Whereas, like, I think he, I think he handled all of it really, really well. It's still really uncomfortable, but in a positive way, not a like gratuitous way. That is exactly how I feel about the scene in the beginning when Jim was like, "I want to go home." 
I want to go yeah. home. And Selena is like, your family's dead. He's like, no, I want to go home. And he goes home and he finds his parents in bed and they've committed suicide. And there's a note that was like, we left, because Jim was in a coma. They said, we left you sleeping and now we're sleeping. And don't like, wake don't up. wake up. I love and the it don't was wake like, up. you know, and like, yeah, like they were, you know, starting to decay or whatever. And it's just, you see the bodies, you see Jim. He just, you know, gently covers them up, goes downstairs. Like the scene is just as long as it needs to be. It, you know, the scene doesn't linger. The camera doesn't linger on any one body for too long. Like, it's just so, so well done. Without so gratuitous. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and so just real quick to end, they actually do escape. Uh, Jim gets hurt, but he's fine. And the last scene is them in a cottage spelling out help, right? Hello. Hello, sorry. Spelling out hello and trying to figure out whether or not there's any help to be had out there. Right, yeah. Which, a, plane, right. a plane ends up, and it, it seems... The context seems to be the plane has flown by before and not seen them. So they've like sewn together as much fabric as they can find to make a giant hello. A plane comes hello. zipping by and they're all waving their arms and then you see the plane kind of make a turn. I'm just going to throw out there that they could have saved themselves a lot of work by just spelling out help though. Yeah. So. Instead of hello. So, or yo. Yeah, like, yo. There you go. Yo. Two words. Two, yeah. two letters. Because Both that's still going to yeah. stop me if I'm driving the plane. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Um, I'm in this genre would be your version right in Philadelphia. <laughs> Just checking. You would spell up, out Philly Philly. Up in this John. <laughs> up in this John. Up in this We're John. alive up in this John. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's just dive into the good stuff. Because there is, yeah. I think, both good <laughs> apparently and bad in your notes over there. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is that I love the idea that it's the stupidity not only of the scientists, which we've seen that trope a million times, mm-hmm. like you're idiots for creating things that are so dangerous to the world. But I think it's also, I love that the animal activist is like the catalyst for the whole thing because I think it shows the theme of how both extremes are just as crazy. Yes. Like being the scientist who creates the rage virus, you crazy. But being the crazy PETA chick who breaks in and lets a freaking bad chimpanzee out who has no clue, like who's infected, you're the idiot too. Like you're both dumb and you're both wrong. Yeah, the scientist warns you. They're infected with this rage virus. Like, this is bad. And it's not like the chimpanzees were in their cage just, like, chilling, like, hey, I'm sad. You should let me out. They are screaming and banging. The only docile chimpanzee was the one that made me feel bad in the beginning, who was, like, hooked up to the electrodes, watching all the violent stuff on. I know, because he was just like, and I was like, oh, bad buddy, gorilla. I know was bad gorilla. Oh, but the rest of them clearly were not acting in any way that was like, oh, I'm going to save you and we're going to be friends. Like, they were going to attack the moment they had a chance to. And that was plainly, like, evident. Yeah, you're an asshole. Yeah. Um, I, and I also like the theme that the extreme, the extremes are never the answer. And the idea of everybody's so f- busy saying how right they are and trying to top one another that it always ends in our ultimate demise. Like, it it speaks to the disharmony of humanity so well that that's what causes it. And I love that it's exactly 28 days because it makes... I think it does kind of close in some of the plot holes, personally. Um, And I'm going to jump right into the characters because just like any Danny uh, Boyle film, they are so... This this story is so character-driven. So I feel like this film gets a lot of shit for bad characterization and I call bullshit on all of that. Yeah. Like I've read a lot of reviews that are like, oh, nobody cares. Selena's a fucking dope ass feminist as hell character. Yeah. Fucking love her. Now her backstory isn't revealed 
in the movie, but I think that I read that her intended backstory was that she like basically had to put her parents down. Like her parents were infected and she had to put her parents down in protection, I think, of a like a sibling. And I said I don't believe that that's mentioned Ever in the movie, fully flushed but out, right. I think um, I think that is what like her intention or uh, the intention of the character. I think that's where her motivation comes from is that in protection of like a younger sibling, she had to put her parents down because of that. And then, you know, obviously the sibling, the sibling ends up dying. So all that effort of putting your parents down and the, you know, your sibling dies anyway. So you just become this, I guess, hard nose, like, you know, you have to take care of you. But it's just so refreshing to see that on film and see that from a female character. I love the scene where she, without hesitation, kills Mark Mm -hmm. and then looks at Jim and says, I would do the same damn thing to you. Because he's obviously appalled by her decision. And she is very, like you said, like very rational and hard-nosed about it. I will say, I wish they cut him, uh, Jim, I wish they cut Jim a little bit of slack because they kind of like rag on, not rag on him, but like they give him a hard time about wanting to go home. You know, like, you know, she kind of gives him the rules and he doesn't quite want to play along to their rules and she gives him a little bit of shit. But like, part of me is like, Selena, you've had 28 days to process this. He just woke up to this reality. Yeah, but um, a mistake will cost her her life. And I don't blame her for being so hardcore about it. Oh, no. I don't I don't either. I just feel like they were unnecessarily just a little bit harsh. Like I said, like they they, they've had time to figure this out. They've had time to learn and process and patterns and all that stuff. Jim just woke up. Like, he just stepped into this fucking brave new world of infected and, you know, you can't go out. You know, don't, don't travel. Don't travel at night. Always be in pairs. Oh, and, like, by the way... These rage virus infected zombies which, or whatever, what yeah, you, which are like, translated, tra- transmitted through saliva or yeah, any sort of fluid, which these, is terrifying. These bitches can run oh, so much faster. And than they, you. like, I don't think there's a time they're really not running full speed. They're like high the characters. Yeah, they're yeah. like, and so that was, I think, the big. So, just real quick to get back to your point on Selena before we jump mm-hmm. into the zombies. Um, you're right. And I think that's what makes it even more touching. When at the end he runs into the room and she does hesitate, mm-hmm. I yes. absolutely adore that scene because again, it's it's Boyle trusting me to realize the profound importance for her character of not just swinging that machete, of taking the second because she, she loves him and she yeah. does have that softness and she hasn't lost her humanity. So for me, that moment where she, even though she warned him that she would never hesitate, she does hesitate is just so touching and and it's so rare as a horror movie fan to see that level of like character development and character complexity done so beautifully and to a female character. So I, I was just so in love with the way her character arc goes through the whole story and how dynamic she really is. Jim, I think, also comes a long way. I love how very primal he gets in defense of those two girls. I love that he cuts, he fucks shit up um, at that military base. Yes. In order, and he goes very, and I love that he's got no shirt on. I love it. it's so primal, it's so natural, um, because that's what saves them. And and I absolutely adore his character development as well. And you're right, they they are hard on him at the beginning, and I do feel bad for him in those moments. But I think it's what makes him survive. Yeah, he does. He he learns. He learns from Selena. He, he learns the lessons he needs. Yeah. He could have. He could have run. He was over the wall. Yes, he was shirtless, he, and it was the whole nine. Yeah. He was hurt, but he was over the wall. He could have run. And he came back. Right, like a real era. Yeah, he protected. Not that, you know, I don't want to say he protected the women. You know, that's not, 
No, I think I no, think not protected. He, so I think he, it's a trust. No, he like, he did. I think yeah, and I think whereas usually I would whack my fist at the idea of the man saving the women, I think what when you create recreate the patriarchy in the apocalypse, it, it's only it only makes natural sense to me that then the women need rescuing again. Like I don't think it's necessarily that Selena's a weak character in any way, shape, or form. I think the patriarchy is going to try to bring you down no matter whether you are in real life or in the fucking zombie apocalypse. Zombie apocalypse. Also for the fact that she's heavily outnumbered, and honestly, her primary concern is yeah. not protecting herself. She's protecting Hannah. Right, because Hannah was an extension of whatever sibling or whatever family mm-hmm. member she couldn't protect the first time. Now, Frank and Hannah, we haven't even talked about. I love them. What Frank, a cute little daddy uh, and daughter. Mad-Eye Moody coming oh, out. Moody. Oh, I know. And he's so sweet because clearly, so they have a little, uh, they have Christmas lights on their apartment. And flashing, like kind of like a signal, like, hey, we're alive. We're here. here. We're here. So uh, Jim and Selena go there. And when they invite them in, they're like, hey, do you want something to drink? You want some creme de month? And, you know, it's so cute. <laughs> they, 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 they break up the good glasses. glasses. They know. break up like the party glasses. And it's just so evident that Frank has not talked to another grown up, I think, in a little while. You know, like he's just so excited that there's somebody else out there. Um, you know, they're not alone. And, and this is a pivotal point in the movie where Selena's kind of like, you know, not thrilled that they have stumbled upon Frank and Hannah. Like they're appreciative of the hospitality, but she's like, look, um, we don't need them. They need us. They're going to drag me down. Right. Which she, again, isn't wrong. But again, I think the complex, the complexity of the character and just yeah. the, the ultimate humanity always shines through. And that's something I love about all of his films. Mm-hmm. To me, I think. It, there's there's optimism so built into this story, and it makes me it makes me warm and fuzzy at the end. I love it, I and so, I love Hannah. I'm like and I know. And so, fun fact: <laughs> haven't had one in a good twenty minutes. Okay, so originally, the 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 radical ending they had in mind was to have go back to the scene where Frank is killed in the um, right after like the tunnel. Oh right, right, and have them restrain him. Because they're so devastated. And then they were going to try to... And this was the, the, the ending that uh, Boyle called like his really long shot, really radical ending. They didn't even film any of this. They just had storyboards for it. So they restrain Frank. Then they find a scientist when they go to the place where they say the answer for the infection is here. They find a scientist there who's literally building a cure. And the cure is a blood transplant. And so Jim gives his life, gives his blood to Frank. So that Hannah can still have a father. So Jim gives up his life for Frank and he winds up infected and dead while Frank gets to come back to life. And that's how it ends. Aww. And I, I don't know, like, so, so Boyle said that, like, he wouldn't go with that ending because he knew it was too far-fetched, which I find ironic because you find a lot of it far-fetched. And then I also feel like he said, um, he basically said that it wouldn't work because Jim was the protagonist and it was too hard to, to see him give his life for Frank. Frank wasn't, like, Big enough. Right. Well, I mean, after everything, after everything that Jim has survived, the audience, we, we, we want to see Jim win the day. We want to see him survive. After everything he's been through, we don't want to see him. I mean, it is still heroic for him to give his life, but we'd rather see his heroics, you know, swoop in, run away with, you know, kill the bad guys, save the world, win the girl, you know, the end. And it's funny because that's, 
your reaction is exactly why the ending is what it is. Because the alternate ending, which is the one that Boyle preferred and wanted and says is the real ending, he calls it the real ending, is they go to the hospital to try to fix Jim. He dies. And it ends with just the two of them sitting in the hospital, presumably in misery. They then made another alternate ending in which, again, they try to save him. They fail, but it still ends with the hello, only just Selena and Hap. But both of those endings tested horrifically with audiences. And they were like, this is too dreary. We need a happy ending. We love Jim too much. Yeah. And we wound up with our little, a little bit of a Hollywood ending, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I think I could have lived with the alternate endings. I don't know that I... There was another... Uh, they had a plan to completely get rid of the military plotline. And I don't know... That was the one that included the scientist. And I don't know that that would have been the most effective choice. Yeah, I, I think I I think I like the military subplot. I don't know that I couldn't live without it. I think if they would have went with the scientists being there instead of the creepy military guys, I could live with that. Yeah. The scientist thing would have been a little cheeky, cheesy though. Yeah, I but like, and we would have to have there would have to be some sort of we need some motivator for Jim to be the hero, like. If they went yeah, there and the character. scientist was mm-hmm. there and everything was all good, then it would be kind of boring. Like, we need that conflict mm-hmm. to elevate Jim, you know, to his hero status. Yeah, agreed. And I also think that at the end of the day, the one thing that this really ties in well with the girl with the, all the gifts is this idea that we are our own worst enemies. We continue to F with science and push the limits and we really are going to be our own downfall, whether it's through climate change or, you know, through rage viruses or whatever it may be, or through just conflict, which is what causes all this at the beginning. The, like, it's kind of funny. I read a story about how they are literally think they're within years of recreating a dinosaur in real life. And I'm like, God damn it. Haven't you seen any of the Jurassic Park movies? Listen to Dr. Ian Malcolm. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think they should. Sexy Ian for life. (laughs) Because like, I can't even believe that I have to read an article in the New York times about you creating dinosaurs. Like what is the matter with you? Didn't you learn your lesson? Like it blows my mind. And and to me, this movie speaks well to that. So two things I want to dive into. First of all, the zombies, because yes, the, everybody got their panties in a wad because A, this they weren't zombies. They were rage infected. And B, they didn't like fast moving apocalyptic a- Like other films would do it too at this time, like the John of the Dead remake, but everybody was like blown away by the fast zombies. It did really make it scary. And it absolutely did make it scary. I will admit that since this movie came out in 2002, I have been one of those people standing on my soapbox screaming, they're not zombies. They're not zombies. <laughs> You're right. You're but, not I mean, wrong. if we want to get, like, super technical, though, I mean, our idea of, like, a zombie coming back from the dead is, like, straight Romero, right? Like, an actual, mm-hmm. for real, like, historically like actual, movie. yeah, historically accurate zombie is not dead either. I guess, I don't know if that's voodoo. I don't want to mislabel that as voodoo or not but i know that like no it absolutely i know that a real in haitian culture zombie that person is not dead like so if we're gonna go like as much as i want to be like they're not zombies they didn't die like technically for really real zombies aren't dead either so look at you dropping the bomb (sighs) just saying okay but i do that didn't stop me from writing down a bunch of questions about all of the infected in this movie. <laughs> oh, bring it on. I'm going to put on my scientific uh, 
my little glasses and answer them all. So here's here's my laundry list of questions about these infected, and I'm gonna just stop everybody listening right now and go, yeah, I am being nitpicky. I'm being nitpicky because I like a good zombie movie. And it's her podcast, so yeah. suck it if you don't <laughs> like it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Eat my ass and turn it off. It, no, I'm gonna no, please don't. Nice. Please don't. <laughs> keep it on, but like, but you no. Can. can you please keep the eat my ass part though? Because I thoroughly enjoyed that. So here are my questions. So, the city of London is infected with the rage virus. So why is it abandoned? Ooh, pick me, pick me, Marissa. Um, because the cinematography of showing abandoned London was dope as hell in 2002. <laughs> Okay. Check. No, check. Okay. Moving on. Check. You have to admit, it was a cool-ass scene it was a very 18 cool years ending. ago. Okay, why? Okay, question number two. When Jim goes into the church, mm-hmm. why are all the zombies sleeping? Oh, like, I have why, an answer. Why, why, like, are they hibernating? Oh, I have an answer. Marissa? Uh, Jeebus. <laughs> Jeebus wanted it that way. Okay. Okay, yes. moving on. Man, I can do that. I can yeah, do you're good. This. I'm so good at this. Do you know nope. any boys? Like, that's my question. <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, do the infected not need to eat? Uh, I will answer this question as well for you. Marissa? Well, scientifically speaking, if rage is like a, a hyperactive humanity, then your, um, your, met, met, like your metabolic rate would be so high that you would not need to consume. Okay. I pulled that so far out of my ass. Did it sound That's like good. No, it sounded good. Because, <laughs> no, because that was my thing too. Like when the like zombie, you would have such like a, when, yeah. when they attack... It doesn't seem like they attack to eat. No, they just they attack to consume. bite. Like they're just attacking. They're not necessarily going after you to consume you. They're going after you just to attack because they're so full of fucking rage. They just need to destroy. Perhaps they eat like normal people. Like they have some Cheetos and then they're like, let's. They have a little fucking Chipotle and then they say, let's do it. I had my nachos. I'm ready to go. Let's go rage it up. You don't know their life. I don't, I don't know their life. <laughs> So, um, but I think though my next question mm. was eventually answered. Okay. Because I had said, um, oh wait, no, no. So, uh, that question does technically get answered because I know that one of the guys at the military was like, we want to see how long, you know, yeah, they how keep many, the, the, the you know, see how long it takes for them to starve. And actually skipping to the end of the movie, it's another 28 days after all the events in the first part. That and at this part, you see them, you see some zombies or on the ground, like, starting to, like, you know, so obviously, like... Only the ones who aren't smart enough to go get Chipotle. That is true. That is true. Just, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that does kind of get answered. Uh, my next question. Can they die if it's not by the hand of a survivor? Like, why aren't they attacking each other and destroying each other? Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. <laughs> yep, Marissa. Jackie, do you really need me to explain this to you? Yeah. I don't have an explanation. <laughs> Okay, next question. We're going to put that, we're going to say no. <laughs> did you though. think I had that? I did. You oh, kind of like, you like, I know. No, I tried like, to trick oh, you. Oh, you sweet, sweet deal. Yeah, like, no, no, like are no they not, clue. like, why don't they, like, are they raging against each other? They're they, raging against the machine. They are raging against the machine. <laughs> like, they, they seem to kind of have the pack mentality when they're going after survivors, but I'm like, if you've got the rage virus, like, is it like the, like, you know, you don't Can attack your own? Can I ask you own? a question? Why are you suddenly Bill Nye in horror movies? I don't like, know. Like, we could watch, we could watch, like, fucking... Demon Hellraiser Knight? or Demon Knight, and you're like, oh my god, makes so much sense. The logic here is flawless. <laughs> but fucking put 28 Days Later in front of you, which is arguably so much better than most of the shit we usually do. And you're like, I take a 
next to this. I just have a question. Continue. I just have what a question. What were you feeling saucy this night? What did I say? Good lord. Continue. Uh, are they alerted only by sound, or do they have, like, a heightened sense of smell? Because... Are you going to ask me next if they, like, fornicate? I really want to know where we're heading here. Like, do I have I to just, be the expert on the trying, rage virus? I'm just trying to... Did you watch 28 months later, or whatever the hell the next... Weeks. 28 weeks, weeks no, later? No, This later. answers all those questions. Wait, seriously? Literally everything. I need to watch that. It's all from the perspective of the rage virus infected. And it starts with one of them in, like, an armchair. He's like, hello. You might have wondered just how we eat. How we sleep. Why we still love Jesus. <laughs> Tonight I'm here to answer all of these questions and more. For you, Jackie. For you. Wait, they say, they say me particularly? No, it's amazing. You I should totally so watch it. I wish somebody would have told me. I would have watched <laughs> it a long time ago. And then ago. they literally... It becomes like a, a science documentary from Disney just all about ironing out the details of the rage virus. So you should be really excited, and I, I think when you were done, I want you to go home and watch it. I'm no, it's actually a, t- a giant piece of shit movie. That is a, but it's, I feel like it might answer some of your stupid questions, I think, and you know what, which I is think, why it's stupid. I think a lot of this just comes from just like the my own personal rage violence. Vi- vi- I think a lot of this comes from just my own personal rage virus of people calling this a zombie movie. And I'm just so, I've got my hooks in the Romero thing where, like, they're not dead. They're infected. It's an infection movie. It's not a zombie movie. Okay, but, like, when we, <laughs> when we watch movies, it's unusual for you to come up with a list of things you I know. Have. I it's just, I love it. We should do this more often. Jackie's question of the day about the movie. <laughs> like, how does blah, 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 I love it. Do you have any more? I want to answer them. I, again, I think oh, I'm just, God. like, mega nitpicky because... Uh, I, I hope Matt Kelly's here to help finish answering these questions. No, I don't want to bring Matt Kelly into this. Poor Matt Kelly. Um, no, I, I love your questions. So, wait, let's do your last two questions. I'm excited. Uh, so they act like animals. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that what it, like, is it like the pack mentality? Like, I can't talk to you. <laughs> I'm going to cut all of no, this yeah. out. You better not. I love your question so much. I think it's really funny. I think it's just because I'm narrow-minded. <laughs> no, I think it's cute and adorable. I think you, you thought into this. Well, in a way, like, because they, they're... listen, if they're going to try and make it real, you're going to take these issues with it. Yeah. Son of a but, okay, um, and then my last question was, are they immortal? Like, if they're not killed by survivors. Fictional characters. Oh, God, I love your questions. I hope you have questions like that for the girl with all the gifts. No, I don't. I just particularly like this one. <laughs> um, all right, so now that we've solved all the, the, the questions, anything else, darling? Um... Yes, so I want to talk about the moment of levity in this movie is when they go to the supermarket. Yeah. Um, I love it. And I, to me, like, it just answers, it, it, this really could, this could be the answer to the whole movie. This could solve everything. They're just hangry. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and you just take them to the, no, the, the supermarket scene is really cute. You got fun music. They're so running cute. around. They're picking out food mm-hmm. and you know, and, and alcohol. you know, like the fatty and all of us, just like oh. who wouldn't love to just have free reign in a fucking supermarket? Oh my god, right? I always think that, like, in in an apocalyptic situation, I think I would be so weirded out by the idea that like things like cigarettes and alcohol won't exist, that I would hoard them and then pick up all these habits again. Yeah. Like I would become a raging alcoholic. I would definitely be a chain smoker. Yeah. I would do any and everything that just because I know myself and I'd be like, I have to well, that's like not the part, exist. That's the part in the beginning when Jim finds all the money on the ground and he starts picking up all the money and it's like, yeah, 
he doesn't realize that money doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think that I would, um, cigarettes and pepper charm cookies. <laughs> pepper charm. Pepper um, charm remembers. <laughs> not me. I would go to a McDonald's and get the bags of frozen McDonald's french fries. After 28 days, I think they're fall. Wait, let me think here. Yeah, okay, so if I can't get the McDonald's french fries because yeah. it's been 25 days, because I would want to heat those up for myself yeah, later no, on. No electricity. No electricity. And it's been 28 it's days. It's been 28 days. I'm going to go save all the Reese's peanut butter cups. There you go. You got it. Yeah, because yeah. I, I really don't want to You know what? I don't want to restrict myself to just Pepperidge Farm cookies because I love pizza-flavored goldfish. So I'm going to just... all Pepperidge Farm. I'm going to, yeah, blanket all Pepperidge Farm stuff comes All right, that's, fair enough. That's where, that's where my head is at. Um... <laughs> Uh, another, okay, and I'm, I'm going to nitpick. Um, the what? You're going to nitpick now? I know, weird. It's weird. I hate the way that Frank dies. Why? I don't know, because why he's would such you a want him to die? I, what do you mean, why would like, I want I mean, him to how die? would you want him to die? I don't know, but just the crow is eating the dude and drops a piece of the guy into his eyeball. Oh, I think like, it's brilliant. It just, I think it's just because I love Frank too much that that's just such a fucking, I don't know, I, I think it's... It's so unique to me. It is so unique, and it's such a brilliant idea, but I just, I guess if it was anybody but Frank. I don't know. I just thought it was just... No, it's fair. It's a hard death. You're right. I think think that's a a choice that's made on purpose. He looked up, and a piece of zombie parts with blood on it got into his... Zombie blood got into his eyeball. Okay. Like, that's the way we went? Like... I think it's creative. I think it's a bold choice. I I agree that it's, it's creative, and it's really smart, but... I don't know. I just, I think because of the way I feel about the character, I think because of the way I feel about the actor, like, it's just one of those deaths where I'm like, really? I don't know. Mm, that's fair. I don't know. Um, I do like that this movie also plays on the idea that, like, humans are the real virus and all that jazz because of West and all these douchebag military guys, but I also feel like there's a lot of heart and a lot of redemption in this film like a lot of like a defense of humanity and I like that I like that it kind of plays both sides of that fence in a very creative and good way which I think is a testament to the writing and also to the director yeah yeah I love it it's okay okay I like it like I said I can't believe you say it's just okay you have every right and I love you for it but my god this is a good movie I mean I said it in the beginning I'm so on the fence because it is so well made it's beautifully shot like the characters, the actors, like everything is really good about this movie, but I'm just so hung up on that stupid zombie thing that like it just really puts me in a weird mood where I want to question why they are the way they are. Anything else? Nope, that's everything I got for this one. And now on to 2017's The Girl with All the Gifts. And I'm gonna just put down my gauntlet. I love this movie! Have you read the book? No, I have not. Okay. So, I have read the book. I bought it over the summer when I was on vacation. I think I read it in three days. Like, I couldn't put it down. If you love this movie, Mm -hmm. you will even more love the book. Uh, The book was written, um, or the the movie was written by the author of the book. Mm -hmm. So, it is very faithful to the story. But just like whenever you take a movie and, you know, make it a film adaptation, you lose a little bit. Um... The character development and character motivation is so much more fleshed out in the book. You're going to love the book. Awesome. You really I can't will. Wait. Like I said, it is the it's very faithful to the book. Obviously, it's written by the same the author of the book. Yeah. Um but yeah, like that's probably I mean there is a couple little plot point differences, but again, they're all character driven, character motivation type 
plot yeah. points that are slightly different. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna absolutely love the book. Like I said, I got it. I could not put it down. Um, the movie is slightly disappointing just <gasps> because. Oh, well, no, just because that. of that. That's fair. But overall, you know, had I never read the book, had I not read the book first, I mean, yeah, this this movie is absolutely top shelf. I am infuriated by how far under the radar this film continues to be. Yeah. Because it's just too damn good to not... Like, when 2017 Best of Lists came out, this was not anybody's. And I don't understand why. And when I talk to horror people, I'm going to throw Matt Kelly under the bus right now because even he hasn't seen it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is such a good movie. How is this not on everybody's best list? Like, this movie was ridiculously good and I'm actually kind of happy that I didn't read the book first because I feel like I might be hating it right now. No, like, you're not you're gonna, so you good about it. Because I don't hate the movie. Okay. I really like the movie. It's just, you feel slightly disappointed just because of how fleshed out it is in the yeah, book. And then that's a that. given. Like, whenever you take a, a, an adaptation, like, you, you have to cut stuff, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, we would have, like, seven-hour-long Harry Potter movies for each installation of, of a Harry Potter. You know, you have to edit stuff out. You have to cut stuff down. You have to pare it down. You know, and obviously, even the cut that we saw is, like, shorter cut than what was filmed kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, it, I don't think if you had read the book first, you would hate this movie. It's just, it leaves you slightly unsatisfied just because you know so much more about the characters in the book. That's all. Yeah. You're going to love it. You're going to love the book and, and continue to love the movie because the movie is. It's, it's amazing. So uh, at the I am going to give a, a quick shout here and say we are, I think, spoiler alert, because the movie has a very interesting third act that is an important twist. And if you haven't seen the film yet, I would highly recommend you stop, go go watch it, and come back because I think it'll it spoils it to not have that be like, what? I think just just for, for, for brevity's sake, basically very oversimplified is that the story focuses around a, a, another kind of apocalypse that is not the zombie apocalypse right. because it's a fungus that takes over people's bodies. And the focus of the story is a little girl who, like all children who were born during the transition to this fungus taking over are kind of half human, half infected. Because the infected are very much zombie-esque, I would say. They consume human right. beings. They are aggressive. They are like they herd and mentality, you know, pack mentality, all that good stuff. So these children, while they still have the virus in them and are still very zombie-esque, are also human in that they can talk and they, they're trying yeah, to like they civilize function, them. Like, if, yeah. You know, so there's a, a military base where many of these children are housed. And, you know, there is a doctor played by Glenn Close. National treasure Glenn Close. She's amazing in this movie. And basically, she, um, they're... She's amazing in everything. That's true. Continue. <laughs> Cruella de Vil. What's up? Um, <laughs> she was Cruella, right? Yeah, yeah she, she was. was. I don't even think I've I seen the live that's action your I know, that's my reference. Of her wonderful cannon, that's your reference. You know what? It's because right now I'm binge-watching Once Upon a Time on Netflix. Oh, cool. And I'm, I'm in the season with Cruella, so mm -hmm. like she's just fresh on my is brain. Is she Cruella in that, too? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. It's just the Cruella de Vil character is in, is in that show. Um, oh, I thought it was because you were... Hoarding puppies to make a jacket. Oh my god, no. <laughs> I hoard puppies, but that's just for cuddles and love. <laughs> <laughs> and Lady of the Tribe. Yeah, yeah, where's Noni? Where's Noni? Um, no, but uh, so, uh, yeah, where was I? Glenn Close is, uh, so she's the doctor uh, at this military base and is cutting up the children. Basically, her whole point is she needs to find a cure. And she realizes that the cure can probably come from... The children. Like, literally, like, make the cure out of the children. But there's this one particular child who is 
So delightful. She's clever she's, and she's she got such just, good manners. She really is so sweet and warm. Mel- the actress, who, the actress who plays this little girl, just—I mean, she hit it out of the park. This little, girl. she's just such a phenomenal. So well actress. done. It's so everyone in this movie is so well done. So yeah, they're at this. So they run a school basically, and you know they're trying to make sure that these children, like they're retaining knowledge, they're learning, they're they're adapting, they are acting like children. Something that we learn is everybody that works in this base wears a blocker on their skin, and that's to block the smell of them. Because at one point, um, the teacher is very touched by a story that Melanie has uh, written and walks over and kind of puts her hand on her head. And the teacher is caught doing this, and Sergeant Parks, who is kind of like, I guess, the head of the military in this particular base. And a bit of a douche. A little bit of a douche. Uh, Just he a walks, sprinkle. Though. He walks over and he's like, don't forget what these things are. He ca- At one point, he calls them fucking abortions. He calls them that repeatedly. Yeah. And it's funny because then Melody is actually calling... She she references the term fucking abortions a couple times throughout the movie because she heard Park say it, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. But anyway, like he's like, don't forget what they are. And he removes the blocker from his skin and all of a sudden the kids, who are all strapped into wheelchairs, start freaking out, trying to bite him, trying to reach for him, like their jaws are just trying to open as much as they possibly can to get him. So, you know, under the guise of these sweet little children, these are monsters. These are monsters that want nothing more than to perpetuate this fungus. They want to infect you and, you know, let's just keep it going. Let's take over the world kind of thing with this fungus. They, you know, and again... Well, the fungus itself is only using humans as a... Like a transit, like right? The, the the humans are not the end game for this thing. The, the end game is it for for it to pollinate the world and take over. Like this is the new race that's going to rule. Mm-hmm. Is this little potty plant thing right. that literally just destroys us all in creating itself? Mm-hmm. So so yeah. So the kids, the they're they're the second generation. These are you know babies that were you know conceived while somebody was infected or you know they were gestating while someone was infected and it's funny because at one point you know Melanie says to Glenn you know to Dr. Caldwell that's who Glenn Close plays she's like you know who am I where do I come from and she was like well um you you know basically you were in your mother's belly and you ate all of her organs and then you ate your way out of her oh i love it yeah it was it was just it's such a powerful movie so anyway the the military base Gets, gets overrun. Gets overrun by by the infected. You are back to doing these really long, painful suffering. Because we're just we, we're going back and forth, and I'm just trying to be fluid with my stories. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, it's my fault. I keep jumping. I think I step on your toes. No, and you know we Wrap keep jumping. Up, we jump. We jump yeah. in plot. We keep jumping in plot. So I just wanted it. Just wanted to make sense that the military base is overrun, and in kind of just like any survivor story, they have to get to a safe place. They have to survive. <laughs> Okay, so the first thing I want to say is that I um, loved the scenes where she was telling them the stories because I thought every single one of the characters and stories she focused on when she was teaching them the stories, the little kids that is, uh, and it's, who is it, Miss Justineau? Miss Justineau. Miss Justineau is the teacher. She's also arguably a military person. She um, tells them, first of all, like about Prometheus and about Epimetheus, and then she tells the story of Pandora. And two profound kind of motifs stuck out to me in this moment. The first is when she said the gods do not forget. 
we, when we, we screw up and we do bad things, they are going to remember and they're going to punish us for it. And I think one of the biggest and coolest themes of this and what makes this so unique for a, like apocalyptic zombie movie is this idea that we are very much being smited and we are being punished for having abused our earth and abused our privilege to have it. And that there's a power, whether it's the pods or whatever, that is dim like wrecking us off the face of the planet for a new evolved version of ourselves. And the children, spoiler alert, at the end, become the new evolved version of us. Right. But we can get to that. But the other thing I love is when she tells the story of Pandora, she says, chaos sets hope free. To me, the statement chaos sets hope free means that everything that's happening with this zombie ap apocalypse is the chaos that's going to reinstill hope for the human race. That these new versions, this this... This, this new form of humanity that Melanie is very much going to be the leader of, that they are half zombie from the pod people and half human, they are the better version of us. And I think that's a profound and really fun thing we can play with as a theme, especially as we talk about the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So I love those scenes because it's just, I love when there's meat on the bones, you know? I'm just, yes. I'm, 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 no pun intended because it's a zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> my, my, so I'm going to get out my one big gripe. Okay. A little slow at times. Yeah. yeah. Pacing-wise, I don't think this film is for everyone. You have a formula in this kind of movie where you have a group of survivors, you know, bunkered down somewhere, and their safe space is breached. And then they have to go off. And then they have to find a new safe place. Like, that's a very, very common formula in these kind of movies. So I do see where... I think pacing issues happen in these kind of movies often because... There's only so much you can do with that plot to flesh it out unless you have amazing character development going on. And Which is exactly what they have. Yeah. Like, right. that, like that 28 is, days yeah. later. Like that is kind of the saving grace of you've got, you know, all of these things happening and, and that moves the story along. I mean, it is tough when like, like when, you know, when we did um, 30 Days of Night, it's the same situation where you've got survivors in a safe place that need to get to another safe place because they've been breached. And what do you do to fill that time between the start of the movie and the end of the movie in that survivor scenario? Right. And the difference between 30 Days of Night and this is that 30 Days of Night was a piece of shit that had zero <laughs> character development. Yeah. They, they didn't have much in Whereas that. Whereas this was, every character was so I, beautiful. I did like 30 Days of Night, but it did definitely lacked any sort of character development. You didn't you didn't care too too much. They tried to force you to care about certain characters and it didn't work. In this movie, there is some genuine things happening that really does make you care. You can see like the interaction between some of the Melanie and Miss Justineau. Like she loves her. Melanie loves Miss Justineau and it's almost and like Justineau this, loves Melanie. Yeah. And but I think with Melanie there's almost this blurred line of mother daughter love an actual romantic love. Like, I think they're... And I think that's okay. And I don't think it's anything that needs to be like, you know... Oh, oh I never got that. Yeah. I, I only I ever feel, saw Mother Daughter. I love. feel like there's a blurred line, but it's not anything that needs to be like, oh, well, like, she thinks she's really pretty. Like, it's not that kind of... You know what I mean? It's it's just it's just a very... For a child that knows nothing but this life. Like, that's something that's pointed out in the book. These kids, literally from birth, have been at this bunker. They don't know the outside world. They don't know outside life. So for this girl to just see this one woman that she thinks is beautiful and caring and wonderful and, you know, amazing in everything to her, I think that there, there doesn't need to be a definition of mother-daughter love or romantic love. I think the overall thing is just this profound love she feels for another person. 
You know what right, I mean? Which, which tethers to the theme of them being evolved beyond us. Right. Like, Melanie is absolutely the evolution of the humans in this. And and she's a beautiful evolution because she's smart, she's pretty, she's funny, she's kind, she's good, and, and she turns out to be a great leader. So what I love is is that, she, like, so the character Melanie is, is amazing. And all the characters are okay, but she's particularly amazing. This film does something I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else done so well, which is a kind of sort of zombie now becomes part of the team trying to survive. And they use her they to their advantage. Like, they send her out to distract the zombies, and then she gets to feed while she's out there. And she, she'll help them navigate their way through until they get to this little bunkery, like, trailer thing that they're going to try and escape in. The whole time, Glenn Close is trying to kill Melanie to create a, like a, a vaccine or an antidote. And throughout the course of that, we understand that it's this plant thing that, you know, she thinks she has a cure for. And the question becomes, should Glenn Close be allowed to sacrifice Melanie in hopes of creating a vaccine to save the human race? I had a hard time. I had a struggle identifying Glenn Close as the villain. Because think about it from our standpoint as humans. She's our last hope. She says that all she needs is like a piece of her brain. If we can just cut out a piece of Melanie's brain, we can cure everyone. Humans, yeah. humans will reign again. Just let me kill this one girl and humans will, you know, inherit the earth once more. Yeah. You know, is she's not wrong. Is she the villain? Like I know that she's made out to be the villain character because we care so much for Melanie. We, you know, she, Melanie is our protagonist, so obviously Dr. Caldwell is the antagonist. But it's, I had a hard time fully labeling her as the villain. Because, yeah, because at the end of the day, the truth is you're right. Like, the better answer is to have sacrificed Melanie for the greater good. But the problem, and so here's where this amazing ending comes in, because uh, Glenn Close basically stages a coup against the rest of the survivors. Mm -hmm. And she tries to get Melanie on the slab again to try to create, because she's dying. She has like an infection and Glenn Close's character is dying. So she tricks everybody. She gasses them, all the adults, and she takes Melanie and tries to experiment on her. Melanie, then in a, in a moment of clarity, because Mel Melanie almost willingly gives herself up. She does, because... She loves because the humans so much. Glenn Close, or I keep calling her Glenn Close. That's fine. Because Dr. Caldwell uses her love for Mrs. Miss Justineau against her, because she's like... If you sacrifice yourself, you are saving Miss Justineau. And she even says, will you tell her that I've done this? And Dr. Caldwell says, yes, she will know that you died for her. Right, and the philosophical dilemma of what's the better, right. So while they're out in the wild, while they're out in the wild trying to survive, they come across a wild pack of children who, unlike the kids who have they, they have domesticated at the military base, are pretty much feral versions of yeah. Melanie. And she takes ownership of this group. In order to save the humans. She asserts she, like, herself as alpha yeah. in, in the only way you do in the animal kingdom. She kills their leader. Which is, it's such a gruesome and horrifying scene because it's all children battling each other. Oh, and yeah. I love it. it, it yeah, I, uh, my note is zombie kid fight. Yeah, zombie kid fight. Actually, Something. Not, that's not my note. My note is zombie kid fight! <laughs> I know. There's something I could always use a little more of in zombie kid fights. Um, zombie kids, I'm in. I'm yeah, not, I'm no, I'm in, in for it. And I liked the scene where she she approached the... So one little minor zombie kid fight note. When Glenn Close couldn't help herself but go look at the stroller. 
when it, oh. and she opens the stroller thinking there's going to be a zombie baby there because who doesn't want to see a zombie baby? And it's like a fucking rat. Like yeah, that hair chest out of it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, um, but anyway, so she winds up becoming very much the pack leader of this group. So in the very climax of the film, it's Glenn Close versus <laughs> I'm doing it too. Glenn Close versus Melanie, and Melanie says to her, "Well, first of all, she takes a gun. Uh, Melanie gets a gun." And, and turns it on them. And they're like, where did you learn that? And she's like, from you. And yeah. that's the moment where I think we're supposed to be like, holy fuck. We're, we're the problem here. We human beings have absolutely taken a swing at this planet and have fucked it up royally. And she looks at Glenn Close and it's basically like, I can do it better than you. We are better than you. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to die. Like yeah. she she kills Glenn Close, right? Yeah, your time your time is done. You're Basically, she lets like, her, she she makes the kids eat her. Yeah, like well, yeah, she she goes running out knowing that Dr. Caldwell will chase her. Yep. And she leads her right into, into the pack of the feral kids. And yeah, she, like her her decision is, you know what? Um, thanks for the run. It's been a good run. Yeah, but, but now, now it's our it's, turn. It's our turn. So she takes Justino, she locks her in the airtight little trailer. Mm-hmm. And she fucking burns the giant pod thing, making the virus airborne, essentially killing off the human race, except for the kids who are hybrids. Yep. yep. So now all that's left is just to know the teacher. And now instead of the little kids being all locked up, she's the one who's locked up and isolated. Yeah. I love that she staples the, the little yeah, picture she, the pictures. Yeah, the pictures that, that Melanie um, had in her cell. She puts them up for Miss Justin. And now. Melanie has decided that she's going to, she's going to humanize and like, uh, educate civilize and civilize the, the, feral, the kids. feral kids and now they're going to be the new race that takes over the world yeah. and I fucking love that ending one of my one of my favorite things character transitions in this movie so Sergeant Parks in the beginning of the movie is just he's the worst of the worst he just you know he thinks that these are these are scum of the earth monsters he calls them little fucking abortions like he's just he's terrible um, at one point, Melanie gets mad at him and kind of like gets a little mouthy with him. So to punish her, he leaves her locked in her wheelchair. You know, like he's just like, fuck off. Like, I, I can't even with you. And when they end up becoming the survivor group, her and Parks end up, my, my note is Parks goes from like hate slash fear to fear slash respect. I, like he yeah. sees her worth. In, in the big picture. And he sees, I think he starts to understand that she's the the next evolution. Oh, yeah. Of them. Like, at one point, I remember, she's like, pretend to be afraid of me. And he's like, pretend. Yeah. So he's absolutely afraid of what her power is because she is the most par- powerful character. And when she takes over the group of feral kids, it's very much because she is the girl with the gifts. She is, uh, you know, like, tr- like, civilized and she's intelligent and she's been, she's taken what you need from education. And so, like, it's amazing to me. Like, you're right. The evolution of that relationship is amazing. And at the end, when he realizes he's dying because she let the... He's like, what did you do? And she's like, it's it's done. You guys yeah. you guys fucked up. Like, it's our turn. Yeah, it's our I turn do, now. I just... I, I like that just how literal... Like, when you know then what you know now, like, the title of it is The Girl With All The Gifts. And it's true in the sense of she is gifted. As a child, she... She is clever. She is brave. She's better she is than strong. a human. Yep. But then also... She's Pandora. She's opening that box. She is releasing mm-hmm. all of the evils of the world. And we can call them evils because we as humans were the ones that wrote the story of Pandora's box. So we call that evils. And chaos and, brings and, us hope. Yeah. And and for her, she opens the box. She releases all of the evils. Mm-hmm. 
Human race, it's been a good run. Yeah. It's we, our turn now. Story, let we are let us try. Right. Let us try. I love that this film very much speaks to both the beauty and the horror of humanity as a whole. Oh, absolutely. Because it's so, it's it's just, it's so true. And I also think our, our uh, the allegory here of how much we destroy our, what we have, our environment, ourselves, our, our good, our, you know, all of it is so profound to me. And I just think this film hits so many perfect allegorical uh, thematic layers that it's exactly the kind of horror film that I it's, built for. It's just so cool, the evolution, too, of of this fungus because you've got you know a grown-up that gets infected and they become very zombie-like like their flesh is falling apart and then if if that particular you know zombie looking person survives to the next level of, of evolution the plant starts to grow out of them yeah and that's what melanie lights on fire at the yeah. end it is a city and there are just thousands of people that have amassed in one area and the plants have grown out of them and it has grown up like, basically, like, what looks, like, I think best can be described as, like, you know, the the needle in Seattle. Like, it basically grows up this giant structure. So, it's this massive just plant pod whole nut. And it's, like, they said, like, you can't just break these pods open. It's moisture or heat. So, Melanie takes a match and fucking, you know, lights the joint and ends the world. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's something that is done with... What's weird is that she literally burns down and ends humanity, yet there's like this hopeful twinge of, huh, maybe, maybe yeah, we no, are going to be, it's going to be okay. It's going to be Like, fun. it's going to be okay. Because it ends with her making all the feral kids sit as Miss Justino teaches them a new lesson. And they're like, can we have a story? And Melanie asks again, she's like, can I have a story? And, and Mrs. Justino says that we have all the time in the world for that. And Miss Justino is now very sad, very isolated. Like, they show her crying at yeah. the end. Because, holy fuck, she's probably the only human left alive. Yeah. And, holy fuck, they, she now has this, this like, new race that she is basically in charge of. My question that I'm left with at the end of this film is, are they better off educated? Or better, are they better off a Melanie? Or are they better off just feral? Is education the, the, the ultimate good or the ultimate evil? In this case, I, I would argue the good. I would argue the good as well. Yeah. But I also think that, like, then then aren't they just humans again? Uh, well, I think another theme that this film plays with beautifully is this idea that, like, we are just pawns. Like, you were just explaining the, the seed. We are absolutely, like, in this film, we are not, the, the zombie part of us is not the end all of this. We are just, our bodies are being used by this yeah. thing that's bigger than us. And I think that with religion, with gods, with stories, with mythology, all of the things that they do bring up in this film... I think that's that's always the plot. The, the humans are just puppets. We are just yeah. pawns in, in somebody else's bigger game. And I always enjoy having that theme be played around with. So I, I love this film. Yeah, I'm going to say, if you haven't seen the film, watch the film. I would say watch the film, then read the book. Oh, I can't wait to try it that way. I will definitely yeah. follow up. I would say watch the film, then read the book if you haven't seen or read either. Yeah, and, and I, I think, again, very character-driven, very beautifully shot film. Cinematography, uh, to me, was breathtaking. And I, I just think, I can't believe nobody talked about the performances in this film. Like, I, I just can't believe this film is as underrated as it is. Agreed. Oh, you're looking at us. Agreed. I know. Feels good. It does. Let's get back to that. We'll get back to more of that soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else about The Girl with the Gifts? No. Like I said, if you haven't seen it, go see it and then read the book. Yeah. And I think both of these films are really awesome films, which isn't always, I think, the key, unfortunately, always what we what we come to at the end of when we're doing, you know, how ours. Some of it sucks. Some of it's good. Some of it's just face value. Yeah. Some of it's 
you know, but this is the stuff that I think is a little more interesting to kind of pick apart. Thank you for joining us. Uh, first, first episode uh, back in 2019. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Hope everybody had a really good, uh, fun, you know, holiday We would do season. a best of, but that's so basic. What kind of <laughs> podcast does that? Like, oh, we're going to list our best movies. Oh, I'm hard movie night. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm only saying that because Matt Kelly's in the other room. Uh, so yeah, so no, uh, you know, we, thanks for being with us over last year. We have so many fun, cool things coming up this year uh, that we will talk about more as uh, it gets a little closer. But don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you will find us there. Our podcast is available on your favorite podcast app. So again, search Jersey Ghouls. You can always find our blog, our podcast, movie reviews, and other fun stuff on our website, jerseyghouls.com. Bye. Bye. Just me and you, just me and you. Just the two of us. <laughs> just the two of us. Building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. You and I. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.